I want you to take your Bibles or your apps or whatever you read on. And today I want us to turn to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Now, if you're not sure where the book of John is located, what I would encourage you to do is if you're in a physical Bible, open up to the table of contents, uh, locate the New Testament. It's one of the two main sections that the Bible is broken up to. In the New Testament, you'll find that John is the fourth book. So find the New Testament. Four books in is John. Turn to that page number and go to chapter 8. Now, if you're in an app, what I would want you to do is uh, pull down the list of the books of the Bible. Uh, you'll find that John is about two-thirds of the way down that list. So find John and go to chapter 8. Now, I want you to imagine a scenario for just a moment. How would you feel if you were at a church service in person or maybe you were at a large conference or a meeting of some kind with, with many people gathered around and as the meeting or the church service is going, somebody barges in through the back door, uh, disrupting the meeting or the service and, and making a, a big to-do about something not related to why you're meeting. How awkward would that be? How weird would it be for someone to not have the, the uh, politeness uh, to, to wait until you were done? Well, actually, that is exactly what happens in today's passage. So take your Bibles or your apps and turn with me to John chapter 8. We're actually going to begin in verse 1. So locate John chapter 8 and then turn to verse 1. And it says this. They went each to his own house. Now, back up to chapter 7, Jesus is in Jerusalem. Uh, that's the capital of Israel. It's where the temple of God is, is located. Jesus has been there. He's been teaching, and he teaches at the temple, and then he goes that evening and rests somewhere and then comes back. So they've just spent the day teaching at the temple, and now it says uh, that they each went to their own home. It says, they, they went each to, their, uh, to his own house, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Verse two, early in the morning, he came again to the temple. All the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and placed her in the midst. And they said to him, teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now, in the law of Moses, it's commanded that we stone such a woman. So what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. But Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to him, let him who is without sin be among let me rephrase, let me say that again. Verse seven, and as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more, he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up. And said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. 
pretty interesting occurrence in the life of Jesus. He's teaching at the temple. The Pharisees and the scribes bring this woman and interrupt what he's teaching about and bring him this difficult question. Now, I want to break down uh, this passage for just a moment and look at some of the elements uh, that this has to teach us, and then we'll dive into the main point that we're going at. So I want to look at verses five and six just for a moment. It says, now, so the, the uh, Pharisees and scribes are, are talking to Jesus, and it's, they say, now in the law of Moses, it's commanded to us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. So they are uh, bringing this woman who's been caught in adultery. Now, if you go back to Deuteronomy chapter 22, you'll find the command that a, a woman and a man caught in adultery are to be stoned. There, it, it was a death penalty in that day and age in this society. But notice something. They don't bring the man. They just bring the woman, which is the beginning of their hypocrisy. Uh, but they're not actually concerned with following the law of God found in Deuteronomy 22. They're bringing this woman so that they can try and trap Jesus in something that he says. You see, if Jesus was to tell them, oh yeah, go stone her, then they had reason to accuse him uh, of doing something that the Roman government did not allow them to do. But if he was to let her off, then they could accuse him of not being observant of the law of God. But look at what he does. Look with me now in verse seven. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing there. You see, these men who had brought this woman with this accusation, they began to realize the truth that Jesus was speaking. And the older ones were the first ones to go, he's right, I need to leave. I don't have the right to, to condemn her or throw a stone at her. Uh, and then they all end up leaving. <clears throat> Look at what it says in verses 10 and 11. Jesus stood up and said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and from now on sin no more. So he goes uh, or he approaches the woman after they've all left and he goes, where, where are they? And she goes, there's no one left here. And he says, okay, I don't condemn you either, but go and sin no more. You see, Jesus's response is the biblical response here. You see, the woman was already feeling the guilt and shame, the humiliation of her sin. She had been caught. She had been taken to the most public place in all the city and accused her out in the open by the scribes and Pharisees. And Jesus seems to indicate that she was feeling remorse and guilt inside from her sin. And so he tells her, neither do I condemn you, but what does he say? Go and sin no more. You see, when we are confronted with our sin, the Holy Spirit convicts us and that conviction leads us in turn to turn away from our sin and instead 
to follow the path that Jesus has. That's called repentance, to, to recognize our sin and turn away from it and go in the right way. And so this woman repents. And, and let me just say this. Maybe you're watching right now and maybe you've never begun a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you don't know him as your Lord and your Savior. And, and let me just speak to you for just a moment. You see, Jesus wants to know you. He loves you and he desires to know you and be in a, in a relationship with you. And through that relationship, he wants to forgive you and rescue you from your sins. The fact of the matter is, is that our sins, the way that we disobey God or don't do the right thing that we know we should do, those sins are leading us all to an eternity of pain and destruction. But Jesus came to rescue us from that eternal pain and destruction. He wants to save you, to rescue you from that. He loves you and he values you. And all he asks is that you believe in him. You believe what the Bible says about who he was and what he taught and, and what he did. You believe in him you follow him with all of your life and that you tell others about him. And maybe you're watching right now and maybe you've got questions. Maybe it sounds good, but maybe you need some clarification on this. Uh, let me ask you to do this. I want you to take your device and I want you to text the word changing to 94000. That's the word changing to 94000. Someone will reach out to you and we would love to answer any questions that you have about Jesus and beginning a relationship with him. So Jesus loves on this woman. He, he, he leads her into repentance. But what about the scribes and the Pharisees? Aren't they the ones that as we see this play out in the life of Jesus, aren't they the ones that are being taught a lesson? I think it is. I think we need to pay attention to what Jesus is teaching the Pharisees and the scribes here, which leads me to today's big idea. If you've ever listened to my message, you usually, or you know that I usually give a big idea. It's a, a simple statement that kind of drives the main point of that week's message. And today's big idea is this. Don't be so quick to throw stones. Pretty simple. Don't be so quick to throw stones. You see, the Pharisees and the scribes were actively looking for an opportunity to condemn. They were condemning the woman, but they were also looking to condemn Jesus. And we as people have a tendency to want to condemn. We uh, as people have a tendency to want to judge and to throw stones at people. Not physical stones, but those metaphorical, those spiritual, those emotional. Uh, use our words and our actions as stones to hurt other people. And so we have to be cautious to not be so quick to throw stones. So today, I want to answer four questions. The first question is, what are examples of the stones that we throw? Then second question is, when do we usually grab our stones? 
The third one is what do our stones do? And third, how can we put our stones down? So let's begin with question one. What are some examples of the stones we throw? Well, the stones, what I'm talking about today, are the words and actions that we do, that we say that hurt people. And let me give you some examples. Legalism can be a stone. When we care more about our self-righteousness and that self-righteousness in turn puts people down, that becomes a stone. When our legalism and our pride makes us judge others for their sins, that becomes a stone. When we assume things that we cannot be sure of, when we assume why a person is doing something or, or we assume why something is happening, that can be a stone. We don't know what that person's situation is or, or what the discussion has been and a decision that was made. So when we assume something about what's going on that we don't really know the information on, that becomes a stone. When we respond out of our emotions rather than having self-control, that can become a stone. When we stereotype people, when we look at someone and just based off of their gender or their affiliation with someone or the way they dress or the way they look, when we look at someone and judge them before we've begun knowing them and heard their story, that can be a stone. When we gossip or lie or, or spread rumors, that can be a very hurtful stone. And lastly, when we try to control others or we try to control the situations around us, many times that can be a stone that hurts those around us. So those are some examples of stones that we throw. Now, the second question is this, when do we usually grab our stones? What are the situations that are going on in our own lives that makes us, that, that tempts us to reach for a stone and hurt somebody with it. Well, I'm gonna give you a few today. The first one, the first thing that uh, causes us to grab our stone is that we get caught up in our own sin. You know, when, when we are caught up in the sin of gossiping or, or spreading rumors, that is a stone that we've gotten caught up in because of sin when we think we know better than others or we think we know better than leadership, whether government or church, that can be a stone, especially if we lie or we slander the people that we think we know better than them. When we lie or slander someone, when we lie about them or tell rumors because we're not sure what's going on or we think we know better, that hurts those around us. Now, I'm gonna give you a few passages that support this idea. And if you're a note taker, you're gonna to wanna to get a paper and pen out because I'm gonna give you lots of passages today to look back on. And so the passage, uh, one of the passages that supports the idea that we get caught up in our sin and hurt people as a result is found in Proverbs 6, verses 16 through 19. That's Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. And it says, there are six things that the Lord hates. Seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. 
Did you catch that? The Lord abhors, he hates when we lie about others and when we sow discord amongst ourselves. That's something we should pay attention to, I believe. Here's another passage that, that teaches us about how we get caught in our sin. Ephesians 4, 29, uh, that's Ephesians 4, verse 29 says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. So, when do we usually grab our stones? The first time, the first instance that we tend to grab stones, when we're tempted to grab stones, is when we get caught up in our own sin. The second instance that we usually grab for stones or we're tempted to grab stones is when we're scared. You see, when people are scared, many times they wanna put others down in order to make them feel better or they're scared so they try and control someone around them in order to make them feel more secure or safe. We also may fear those who are different than us. And so we may judge them because they're not like us. I'll be honest, I see this in politics all the time. I think that's one of the big reasons why we see such political division amongst the people today. And, and let me explain this. We fear what might happen if our particular candidate doesn't win? And so as a result, we throw stones at the candidate or at the people that support the candidate or his or her ideas and in turn try and hurt them out of our fear. You see, fear should never drive anything that we do. We are not called to be a people of fear politically, physically, emotionally, whatever. We're secure in the Lord and the Lord has all the politics and all the plans for the world. He's got all of that worked out. And our role is not to be afraid about what might happen if candidate A wins or candidate B wins. Our role is to be concerned about how we lead others to the life-changing hope of Jesus, no matter what happens in the world around us. We can't live in fear. So let me give you a couple of passages that support this idea. Psalm 27, one. Psalm 27, one says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my stronghold and my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? If the Lord is our salvation and our light and our stronghold, our, our protection, then why should we fear anything in this world. Let me give you another passage. 2 Timothy 1.7. That's 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Fear is not from God. It's from our own temptations and from the devil. Romans 12.18 through 20 Romans 12, 18 through 20 says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. 
You see, even if we're afraid of something in the world around us, we're supposed to conquer that fear through our faith. And in turn, that faith leads us to love others, even if we disagree with them. So, when do we usually grab our stones? The first is when we're wrapped up, when we're caught up in our sin. The second one is when we're scared. The third one is when we're lonely. And this one may sound a little unusual, but let me follow me on where I'm going with this. You see, when we're lonely, we strive, we long for connection. And sometimes we may seek connection in a place that, from people that are not good for us. We may seek connection with ungodly people. We may seek connection with people that are filled with hate or, or uh, you know, hurting other people or whatever it may be. And in turn, we may be willing to pick up a stone because they're throwing stones. We wanna pick up the stone so that we'll be like them so we can fit in. Now let's be honest for a minute. During COVID, we've gotten disconnected. We're not meeting together in person. Many are staying at home to protect themselves. And I think that's the right thing to do for many of us. But when we're locked away or we're not meeting in person, that means the connection to others that we have is different and it may be more difficult. And so I would highly, highly, highly encourage you Stay connected to godly people. Now, not just to any random person, but make sure you're connecting with godly, wise people. Listen to what 1 Corinthians 15.33 says. That's 1 Corinthians 15.33. It says, do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Bad company ruins good morals. So in your loneliness, do not turn to ungodly people. Lean on those who are godly and wise and loving and humble, not those that are throwing stones. So we've talked about um, when do we usually grab our stones? When we're caught in sin, when we're scared, when we're lonely, and lastly, when we're full of pride. When we're prideful, we have a tendency to reach for our stones. And this is so common amongst people who claim to be Christians. I think Christians probably struggle with pride more than any other group, to be honest with you. We live as though we, in and of ourselves, are good people. That like we, we live like we know better than people. And so we pick up stones and throw them at others thinking that that will put them down. We look down on them. But don't you realize, don't you know that even as you're saved, you are a sinner in need of a savior. You're gonna go and sin some more. And you're gonna need Jesus's rescue from that. You're gonna need him to pick you up. Listen to what Proverbs 8.13 says. That's Proverbs 8.13. It says, the fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. That's some pretty strong words from the Lord. He's saying that the pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech are things that he hates. 
I think we should probably avoid pride and arrogance and evil ways and perverted speech then. Philippians 2 verse 3 says this, Philippians 2 verse 3, do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. So we've talked about the examples of stones that we throw. We've talked about when we usually are tempted to grab stones. The third question is what do our stones do? And I'm going to zip through this quickly. First, they hurt other people. You see, sin has a way of hurting others even when we think that that sin is done in secret. Sin has a ripple effect. It goes out. Even if you've done it in a place where no one can see you and you think that it doesn't affect anyone, it does. It has a spiritual ripple that goes out and affects others all around you, whether you intend it to or not. Our stones also hurt us. When you sin, your sins hurt you. Sin has a way of hurting the sinner even when we don't think that that sin is a big deal. Our stones also promote sin in the world. You see, sin has a way of multiplying and intensifying when we ignore it and we don't repent, when we don't turn away from it and let God clean up the results of that sin. And so it multiplies, it goes out. And we're called to not throw stones, but to see others the way Jesus sees them. And so what do our stones do? They hurt other people, they hurt us, and they promote sin. So our stones should be put away. So that's the big and last question today is how can we put our stones down? How can we be a people that doesn't throw stones? Well, first, we need to monitor our thoughts and we need to pay attention to who we listen to. You see, our thoughts are what makes us tempted to pick up stones. And the people that we listen to are going to affect what we think. So let me read you a passage, Philippians chapter four, verse eight. That's Philippians four, verse eight says this. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is any worthy of praise, think about these things. The Bible's clear. Our minds should dwell on godliness and good things, things that are true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, things of excellence, things of worthy of praise. That's what our minds should dwell on. But too many of us worry about the world around us. We worry about this and that and COVID and unrest and, and what's happening with our family when in reality, in faith, we're supposed to be giving those to God and focus on His things, on the good, godly things. But the other side to that is too far too many of us Listen to people who promote picking up stones. And that's something we can't do. 
So let me be very frank with you. Some of you watching and listening right now are watching the news far too much. And your thinking has been twisted. Your thinking has been perverted because of the attention that you pay to the media and the, the, sens- uh, the, the sensationalization of, of events around the world. If that's you, maybe you need to take a break from the news. Maybe you need to put some boundaries on how much news you, you take in in a day. Some of you read and listen to people that quite frankly are just spreaders of hate. They love to manipulate. They love to twist people's thinking to make them think like them. When in reality, that's not what God's word says to do. Some of you need to pay very close attention. Take a survey this week of who you listen to and how much you listen to them. And maybe rather than paying so much attention to all the talking heads, maybe you need to pay a little more attention to reading this and focusing on the godly things that Philippians 4, 8 tells us to focus on. So how can we put our stones down? The first one is monitor your thoughts and who you listen to. The second thing is look at others the way Jesus looks at them with love and compassion. You see, Jesus loves you. He loves all of us. He loves you so much. He gave his life for you. And he calls you to love others in return. But all too many times, we don't choose to see people the way Jesus sees them. Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40 says this. That's Matthew 22, 37 through 40. It says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. You see, Jesus calls us to love everyone. And it's already been mentioned before that we're called even to love our enemies, to feed them and give them something to drink if they're thirsty. We're called to love, not to throw stones. So how can we put our stones down, monitor our thoughts and who we listen to, look at others the way Jesus looks at them with love and compassion? And the third is focus on your own life and faith. You see, throwing stones at someone is not going to change them. But when you pay attention to your own life and maybe even pay attention to the stones you're throwing, maybe God can change your life. Galatians 6 verses 4 and 5 says this. The Galatians 6, 4 through 5. But let each one test his own work and then his reason to boast will not be will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor for each will have to bear his own load. Listen to 2 Corinthians 13, 5. That's 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you fail to meet the test. You see, we're called not to judge others for their faith or lack thereof. We're 
focused, supposed to be focused on our own faith, examining and testing ourselves to make sure that our faith is true. And too many of us have gotten into the rut of thinking, well, I'm a good person. I don't need to check my faith out. I know what I believe and I don't need that to be questioned. No, stop. Jesus wants to change you even if you think you're a good person. That's what sanctification is. Sanctification is the the continuous process of God changing you to be more like him. But too many of us have decided that we're already close enough to what God wants us to look like. And so we've stopped the Holy Spirit from allowing to convict us and change us. Examine your heart. Test yourself. Let the Holy Spirit open your mind and eyes and convict you of the ways that you're not like Jesus. So monitor your thoughts and who you listen to. Look at others the way Jesus looks at them. Focus on your own life. And fourth, remember what Jesus has done for you. You see, we are nothing without Jesus. We're nothing without his rescue and salvation. We're nothing without his continuous sanctification. Again, that process of him changing us continuously to be more like him. We're nothing without these things. You can't be good without Jesus. It's not possible. Listen to what the Bible says. Listen to John 15, five. That's John 15, five. It says this, Jesus is speaking and he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who abides in me while I abide in him produces much fruit. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. Did you catch that? Apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. And so remember what Jesus has done for you. When we have a proper perspective, when we examine ourselves, when, when we uh, monitor our thinking and the people that are influencing us, when we remember what Jesus has done, when that perspective is in the right place, our stones will be put down. We'll realize what Jesus is teaching us here in John chapter eight. So my question today is this. Will you be like those who came to throw stones who were condemned for their sin? Or will you, be in, will you intentionally seek to never pick up the stones in the first place? And in turn, by not picking up stones, you in turn will lead others to the life-changing hope of Jesus. Which will it be? Join me in prayer. Almighty God, thank you. Thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for forgiving us and thank you for giving us us the direction to go and sin no more. And we pray that you'd help us to do that. Help us to be the men and women of God that you've called us to be. Convict our hearts and help us to see the ways in which we pick up stones and hurt other people and help us to do away with that. We thank you, Lord, and we praise you And lift all of this in Jesus' name, amen.